Lord, we ask you to bless this time as we look at your word. We ask you to guide, lead, show us what you want us to see from this section. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. In the previous two chapters, we had Bildad declaring that man cannot be pure before God. And it was said in six verses, so that's all he really said. Job answered him about God being the creator and very powerful and admitted that God was all great. So starting at verse, chapter 27, verse 1. Moreover, Job continued his parable and said, As God lives, who has taken away my judgment, and the Almighty who has vexed my soul, all the while, all the while my breath is in me, and the Spirit of God is in my nostrils. My lips shall not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. God forbid that I should justify you till I, till I die. I will not remove my integrity from me. My righteousness I hold fast. I will not let go. My heart shall not reproach me so long as I live. So here is Job continuing his answer. And he says, as God lives, as, as long as God is active, who takes away literally my case. He's not listening to my case. He has vexed me or made bitter my soul. And Job is still trying to understand why God is allowing this judgment. He's offered his sacrifices. He's honored God. He sought God with his heart. He's made his sacrifices. He still says, I don't deserve what has been happening to me, and I do not understand it. And his friends keep telling him that he must have done something terrible and that this is why it's happening. And he says, while my breath is in me and the spirit of God is in my nostrils. I love this period, this idea. He says, I am still alive and God is still with me. Even with all that he's been going through, he understands that God is still there. The spirit of God is there with him. God breathed life into man at the very beginning and Job says I know that my God lives it says my lips shall not speak wickedness nor my tongue utter deceitfulness and this is very interesting because God's testimony remember about Job is that he was a perfect and upright man that hates evil Job has said I do not take God's name in vain I don't speak evil I'm not being harsh on people I am not speaking wickedness, and I do not utter deceit. I do not utter lies. I do not utter falsehoods. I am seeking God. I have been seeking God. And he goes, I'm not understanding. And he basically on this, he's saying, you all are uttering deceit and wickedness, but I do not do such things. And remember, he has already said many times, you are terrible counselors. You have not offered to help. You are not... You are not good being comforters. Because even if I thought you were evil, I still would give you comfort and try to help you. And he says, they have not been doing that. And it's been said many times, you know, with friends like Job had, who needs enemies? And it is true. These guys were bound determined that Job was deserving everything he got. And all he had to do was admit what he had done wrong. And God would be able to come in and help him. And Job's going, I don't understand. I've offered my sacrifices. I've asked for forgiveness. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. And yet, here I am being judged by God. And so he did not understand this. And he says, I'm, I didn't do this. And it says in verse, verse six, uh, 5, God forbid that I should justify you. And this is very interesting. He is saying, far be it from me that I should admit that you are right. You are saying that I am evil and that I deserve all these things and that 
that God is doing this stuff out of, out of punishment. He goes, I cannot go there. I will not say that you are right because you are not wrong, uh, not right. And this is something that's very important for us to look at. How many times do we compromise so that people will feel better about what they're saying? And this is what Job's saying. I will not compromise. I will not uh, change my mind and say that you are right just so you'll be happy and leave me alone. Because till I die, I will not remove my integrity from me. Literally, they, this is saying, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I've been saying this is right, and I'm not going to be a hypocrite by saying that you are right. And this is something very important, especially in our day and age, where people are actively after us to say that they are right and not stand for God. We live in an age where they say there's no absolute truth, there's no right or wrong, and what you think is good is good, and what we think is good is good, and all you... And the whole idea that when to be tolerant of them, we have to say that their ideas are as good as our ideas. And our ideas are based on what God says. We cannot justify their actions and say, well, whatever you say, it's okay because I, I'm not a problem. What we can say is, I'm not your judge, but God says it is sin. And this is very important for us. This is our easy answer. When we're bothered by people saying, well, you're being so judgmental, you're being this, you're being that, we are not being judgmental. All we say is God calls it sin. I cannot accept your actions. I love the individual. And we as Christians say this many times. We love this sinner and hate the sin. And the world does not understand that point because they do not separate the sinner from the action. You know, or even the person from the action. If whatever you do is who you are and they cannot separate the two in their mind, we as Christians know that we are human beings created in the image of God and we sin because we are sinners and that sin doesn't define us. It is just what we do. Jesus died for the sins of the world because he loved the individuals. And this is what's going on here. And Job is saying, I cannot, cannot say that you're right knowing that you're not right. And this is something, are we willing to take a stand when we're right? Now, Job is not being mean to him. He's not being a, a great tacker to them. He's just saying, I cannot deny what is true. And this is going to be more and more our problem in our day and age is more and more people start looking at calling evil good and good evil. We need to be ready to take a stand and saying, no, God says it's evil and God changes not. The fancy word for that is he is immutable. He does not change. And this is the beauty for us as Christians. The world will keep telling us, well, you've got to evolve with the rest of the world. You've got to move forward and, and accept what the others are accepting. But God does not change. What God said was wrong 3,500 years ago on Mount Sinai and almost 6,000 years ago before the flood is still wrong. He does not change his mind. He, doesn't, he is not changeable like mankind. And we understand that he is true. Job understood this. He goes, I know 
that I have been right with God. I have offered my sacrifices. I have sought God. I've done the best I can to, to follow God. And that was God's testimony that he was upright, that he was, he even said, perfect and upright, that hates evil. And Job says, I cannot say what you're saying. You are saying that I am evil. I cannot say that is what Job was saying. He says, my righteousness I hold fast. I will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me as long as I live. My righteousness, he says, I'm holding fast to my righteousness. I offered sacrifices. I sought God. I wanted to keep God in the forefront of my heart, in my mind. And I'm not going to let go of that. He goes, I will not let it go. He says, my heart, my soul shall not reproach me as long as I live, shall not taunt me. Basically, he was saying, my conscience is clear. I do not have a bad conscience. I know that what I am doing is right. I stand pure before God as I can because of the sacrifices I've, I've made and of the offerings that I made and the confession of my sin I've made. I understand that God and I are okay. My conscience is pure. Now, in our day and age, we hear a lot of people saying, my conscience is pure, pure. I do what my heart says. You know, and it's very amazing to me that when people say that, what is their heart telling them? Whatever they feel good. They are not basing their decision on whether they're right or wrong on God's word. Job knew that what God said was right and wrong. He offered sacrifices when he did wrong. He offered sacrifices for his children in case they did wrong. I don't know that those sacrifices did any good, but he offered those because he cared for his children as well. And he just says, I will not be reproached as long as I live. I will not let go and say that you are right when I know that you're wrong. I'm going to hold on to my integrity. Now, this is a hard statement because this is one that is being said in our day and age because people do not base their, their decisions on the word of God. I was talking with somebody recently who said, well, my religion is in my heart. And I'm going, well, how often do you do things that you don't want to do because they're right. And the problem is the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? And this is the problem when we live by our heart. We make all kinds of decisions that are right in our own eyes, right by the world standards, because we're not going back to God's word. All of our decisions must be based in the word of God. When God says something, he means it, and we need to hold on to it. When people say, I think God wants me to do such and such, and it doesn't match up to the word of God, I will tell them, it cannot be from God. It's from your own imaginations. And here's Job saying, I know my God. I know his voice. I know what's right and wrong. And I'm going to stand before him and not before you men telling me that I've done wrong. Verse 7. Let my enemies be as the wicked, and he that rises up against me as the unrighteous. For what is the hope of the hypocrite? Though he have gain, when God takes away his soul, will God hear his cry when trouble comes upon him? Will he delight himself in the Almighty? Will he always call upon God? So here is Job calling and says, my, Let my enemy be as the wicked, and he that rises up against me as the unrighteous. I really believe here he is talking literally about his friends. Let my enemies, the ones who are attacking me, 
be as the wicked, the ones that go down to hell. And he that rises up against me as the unrighteous. He goes, you all are this way. You are unrighteous, hypocritical men coming against me. And he is getting pretty harsh here on one side to these people. He is being very aggressive to them. He goes, let my enemies be as the wicked. And he that rises up against me is the unrighteous. These people were coming up. They were looking at Job. They're going, we are so sure you are guilty, Job, that we're going to hammer you until you admit your guilt. How many times have we been dealt that way with Christians especially? We know you're guilty, so we're going to keep pushing on you until you finally admit that you're guilty. We might have maybe done that to somebody. Our job is to show love and kindness. Now, if we know darn well that somebody's doing it, we might, if we have the right relationship and we've been praying for them, you know what? God says that what you're doing, then give it a very specific thing, is a sin. But you are still loved. You are still cared for. It is hard sometimes to deal with this because God says we're to love our enemies. And it is hard to love an enemy who's trying to take you down. Job has four men here that are sitting around him, judging him, and his idea that he's, he needs to show them care and love. And that's what he said. I would have at least shown you comfort. I would have at least shown you care if you were in my place. You have done nothing but attack. And this is the hard thing. We need to not be one of Job's friends when we're dealing with somebody. We need to come into people's lives and minister to them, comfort them, and say, God loves you. Jesus died for your sins. You can be forgiven if you just seek him and be able to lift them up. Nothing is worse than when you're in a bad place, people coming in and attacking you. How can you be doing such and such and such? You're such a terrible Christian. Of course we're a terrible Christian, we're a terrible people. We have a sin nature that walks away from God in all that we do. And here is Job's friends telling him, and he says, you need to be that. He goes, for what hope, what is the hope of the hypocrite? Though he hath gained when God takes away his soul. What is the expectation of the hypocrite? The one who says one thing and does another. His friends are pretending to be comforters as they tear him down and tear him up. And Job is saying, what is the hope of a hypocrite? When, when God takes away his soul, do they, does a hypocrite who claims to be a Christian have any hope at death? And that's what Job is saying. You, know, you guys are pretending to be comforters. You're pretending to care. I'm not even sure where you are with God. And this is a hard thing for us, and we need to be careful of this statement. Remember, everything we read in Job is not necessarily gospel truth. There's statements. We need to be very careful. Our job is not to judge other people. And I understand it's hard sometimes when we look at somebody and we see no Christianity coming out of them, no love of God, no, no mercy, no grace, no kindness. And we're going, how can that person be saved? We're not seeing them following God. We're watching them commit sins, and we're going, God, how can that person be one of your children the way they are acting? The problem is, have we ever had a point in our time where we could have been in that same place? We've turned away from God. We're not going to church. We're not caring. We're not doing it. We need to be careful because this can happen. And Job says, you know, hey, what's the hope of the hypocrite? Will God hear his cry when trouble comes upon him? The person that's not God's child, does, God doesn't necessarily hear his cry and answer. Now, we do know that sometimes 
People get answers to their prayers even before they are saved. We, many of us, might have been one of those people that we cried out to God and he rescued us. Many, many testimonies I've heard where somebody says, God, if you just deliver me, I'll give up whatever, and then they don't. Yet God took it away. Why does God do it sometimes and not other times? I don't know, but God says he's, God's, God's not, Job said God's not under any obligation to help those that are hypocrites. And it says, will he, the, the hypocrite, delight himself in the Almighty? Will he always call upon God? This is very interesting because even when we are backslidden or not, not firm with God, you know, how, will we, do we delight ourselves in God? And I love this word, delight. Do we take pleasure in God? Do we enjoy God? And this is something that's very, very important for us to understand. We are to delight in God because he is our savior, he is our Lord, he is the shepherd that cares for us. Do we truly make our delight in him? Many things we delight in. We delight in our food, we delight in our, in our spouse, hopefully. We, we do all these things, and God is saying, I want you to delight in me. And Job is saying, will the hypocrite delight in God? Will he take and say, this is what I want? Most hypocrites do not want to follow God. They're just, they want to sound like they're following God. They want to look like they're following God. But when it becomes a decision between this is what God says and this is what I want to do, many of them will pull back and say, nope, not going to do it. I am not going to follow. I'm not going to do it because I don't want to do it. God, I'm not delighting in you. And he goes, will he always call upon God? And we've talked about this many times. You know, how many times, and we even have a saying, I've tried everything else, I might as well pray. You know, and this is a bad statement because it shouldn't be, I've tried everything, it should be, I've prayed. Then I try to do what I can and I watch what God does. Our first step should be to call upon God always. To seek God and to reach out to touch him and say, God, this is my request. This is my help. This is my need. And it doesn't mean once we've done that, we sit around and just say, okay, God, I'm sitting here waiting for you to do it. Then we go out and start doing things, but then we have God involved and God will step in and make the changes for us. And he'll say, this is what I want to do with you, through you. And as we're stepping out, God will move. And he'll say, okay, you've asked me to help. Here it goes. Turn left, turn right, go straight. Stop. You know, he'll tell us what to do. His sheep hear his voice. And so many times I get asked, well, how do you know his sheep know his voice? We get so familiar with Jesus and God that we go, we know when he speaks. We know when he is not speaking. And this is very important to seek God and to follow him in all that we do and all that we follow, but he has to be brought in to the situation by prayer. We seek God. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these things shall be added unto you. We are to seek God, seek his answer, seek his direction. And I'm as guilty as everybody else of doing things and then asking God to help. We as people oftentimes go, God, this is what I'm doing, please bless it. Not seeking him. We need to go before God and saying, God, I am not sure what I'm supposed to do. I'm not, I think I know what I'm supposed to do, and I'm going to start in this way. Please, please direct me if it's not right. Because we are to trust 
in God, not our own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. We go before him first and ask for directions. Then we can step out, and maybe God will say, no, we're going to go this way. We're going to do this. You, know, you don't have the right plan. Here's the, here's the correct plan. Verse 11, I will teach you by the hand of God that which is, is with the Almighty will I not conceal. Behold, all you yourselves have seen it. Then why then are you thus altogether vain? This is the portion of the wicked man with God and the heritage of the oppressors which they shall receive of the Almighty. If his children are multiplied, it is for the swords and his offspring shall, be satis shall not be satisfied with bread. Those that remain of him shall be buried in death and his widows shall not weep. Though he heap up silver as dust and prepare raiment as of the clay, he shall prepare it, but he shall not put it on, and the innocent shall divide the silver. He builds his house as a moth and as a booth that the keeper makes. The rich man shall lie down and he shall not be gathered. He opened his eyes, he opens his eyes and he is not. Terrors take hold of him as waters a tempest steal him away in the night. <clears throat> the east wind carries him away and he departs. And as a storm hurls him out of his place, for God shall cast upon him and not spare him. He would, he would fain flee out of his hand. Men shall clap their hands at him and shall hiss him out of his place. So here he's now saying, this is what I would do. He says, I would teach you by the hand of God that which the Almighty will not, uh, that which is with the Almighty will I not conceal. Job is saying, my case to you would have been what God says. And what God says, I will not con conceal. Now his friends would say, well, we're, this is what we're doing. We're, we're telling you that God does not bless sinners, so you must be a big, big sinner because you're not being blessed. They would, they would almost agree with this. They just don't understand that it is not what God says. Job is saying, I would seek God first, and then I would gently speak the words and be able to make those corrections. Sometimes the corrections do not seem gentle to people. But these guys were all looking at him saying, Job, you're, you're wrong, so we are going to get you to admit that you are a sinner because we know you must have some hidden sin. And Job's saying, I don't, and I'm not going to say that you're right. He goes, behold, all you yourselves have seen it. Why then are you thus altogether vain? He goes, you have seen this whole thing. You have seen me teach. You have seen me minister to people. You have seen me do this. Why are you speaking such empty words toward me? He goes, you know that you have never seen me being so evil to deserve this thing, and yet you are saying that I am evil. You are not seeing things the way God sees them. And this is very important because we really do need to understand that when we are saved, God says we are perfect. We come to Jesus and we say, God, I am a sinner. I deserve punishment. I believe Jesus Christ died on that cross for my sins and I accept that sacrifice. God says, here is all of your rewards. And he starts giving us so many rewards. He puts on the righteousness of Christ. He gives us a new heart. He adopts us into the family of God. He declares us perfect, and he will never see us as anything but perfect. So if you have somebody 
looking at you and saying, you've got problems, you've got, you're terrible, you're awful. They are not seeing you the way God sees you. And we need to be able to understand that it is vain and empty talk to talk that way about somebody or some, something. When we're looking at somebody and we're going, God, I don't know, how do I deal with them? And we ask God's help. We may have to come in and say, you're, you're living in sin. We may just have to live and say, God loves you. You're, we know that you're his child. God loves you. Make the change to correct. Ask God to help you make that change and correct him. All of these things are so important because God wants his children to live right. We know also that we are changed from the inside out. This morning we sang, from glory to glory, he's changing me. And that is from Corinthians. And it is, God is changing me from what? Glory to glory. Wherever I'm at, no matter how far I am with my walk in God, God is changing. It says, I'm changing you from where you're at to a higher glory, a higher place. And this is so important for us. We need to be careful how we look at others that are walking for God. We're raised and trained at different speeds in different places. God is working with each one of us individually in a mighty way. He says, I will change it. I will help this person. I will move them forward. He goes, this is the portion of the wicked man with God and the heritage of the oppressors, which they shall receive from the Almighty. What is it? The emptiness, the vainness, the fact that they are not there. And then he goes further into this. If his children be multiplied, it is for the sword and his offspring shall not be satisfied with bread. He says, if he has lots of kids and he's wicked, it is not for them to be blessed. He goes, they will be killed by the sword and they will be hungry. Job is understanding. He's agreeing at this point with his friends who said, Job, you must have done something wrong because you are not being blessed. You know, you need to follow up on what's going on and, not, and understand that the, the righteous get blessed, the unrighteous do not get blessed. And he's understanding the unrighteous are there for, will see evil. He has said this over and over again. He also says he doesn't understand when the righteous are, are, are not blessed, and he doesn't understand it when the unrighteous are blessed. He goes, verse 15, Those that remain of him shall be buried in death, and his widow shall not, shall not weep. So some of these, he goes, these children that he has, they're going, to be, they're going to be dead, and their widows are not going to be, are not going to weep for them because of all the sin that's going on. And then he goes, and though he heap up treasure as dust and prepare raiment as the clay, so he goes, he gets very rich. He has lots of money, silver as dust, and has lots of raiment, so, so prosperous with his clothing that it's just like the dust of the ground again. He may prepare it, but the just shall put it on, and the innocent shall divide the sil silver. He goes, he's not going to benefit from all that, he has, all that he has gotten and all that he has done. He goes, other will benefit from it. And again, here is his listener saying, Job, you're, you're making our case for us. You don't have all of your wealth. Your kids are all dead. You, you don't, your, your raiment is gone. He goes, you're making our case. You must be unrighteous. And Job understands. This. Remember, we've said this. Job and his friends are prosperity gospel people. You do right, you get blessed. You do wrong, you get judged. This is their way they think. And Job's understanding it. He's saying this to them. 
And this is what his friends are saying. Job, you obviously are not righteous because you have been greatly judged. And because you're so greatly judged, you must be really, really evil. Otherwise, you would not be judged. And so Job is saying right here, he's saying the same thing. I understand that what you're saying is true. He goes, and all through this book, Job has been saying the same thing over and over. I know what you're saying is true, but I have not been evil. I have not been unjust. I have sought God with my whole heart. I have offered sacrifices. I have done what is right. I do not understand why all of this is going on. And Job is saying right here, I go, I know that the unwicked do not prosper. And even if they do prosper, others take their prosperity with, away from them in the end. Verse 8 says, he that builds his house as a moth, or literally grass, he that builds his house as grass, temporary, and his temporary shelter or booth that the keeper makes, or the, 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 that he's keeping it very small. So he says, the, 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 he builds, the wicked man builds a house as grass. And his house will fall. His house will be only temporary. And his temporary housing, that of the keeper makes, you know, just a temporary house is all he's got. And this is what he's telling him. He goes, the rich shall lay down and he shall not be gathered. He opens his eyes and he is not. And this is kind of, he's just saying, the wicked man shall die. <laughs> he shall lay down. And this is not for sleep. He shall lay down. He shall die. And he shall not be gathered, uh, gathered, he shall not be buried. He opens his eyes, and he is not. He understands that there is an existence after death as well. The person who dies will open up his eyes, in this particular case, the wicked. And where will he find himself? In hell. For us as Christians, we are told that we will die, and yet we as Christians won't die. We will step out of this world into the presence of God, into our eternal presence with God and not have to face any, any death. The wicked die and wake up in hell and where they're going to suffer. And this is what he says, the rich man shall lay down and he shall not be gathered up. He shall not be buried. He shall open his eyes and he is, and he is not. Verse 20 says, terrors take hold of him as the waters. Tempests steal him away in the night. Terrors take hold of him as the waters. People are in fear constantly without God. They're in fear that they're going to lose their jobs, that they're going to get sick, that something's going to happen to their family. They have nothing to grab hold of, nothing to stay firm with. We as Christians can focus on God and say, God is in charge. He knows what's going on, and he has a plan. Job said it from the very beginning when his wife said, curse God and die. He says, shall we accept good from God and not bad? He understands that God is sovereign. He doesn't understand what God's doing. And how many times are we in the same place? We do not understand what God is doing in our life. We see him moving against us. We see him doing things that to us seem bad. But yet God says, I've got a plan. I know what I'm doing. And it says, the tempest, the, the storms steal him away in the night. And this is, again, when you're, when you're being blown away. And i got to think, in their day, they didn't have a whole lot of buildings. If they were out in there, they had their tents. And the storms would really flap those tents around and maybe even blow them away. And Job's had his house you know, taken apart as well. The east wind carries him away. He departs. 
and as a storm hurls him out of his place. The east wind is usually in their, in their day something that brings evil. The east wind, it brings the daylight, but it also the storms come from the east for, from them. And it says that, and carries him away and he departs and a storm hurls him out of his place. The storms push him. I think it's funny sometimes when you're trying to walk against the wind you know, we get lots of wind in this place, sometimes at 30, 40, 50 miles an hour, and trying to walk against that wind sometimes you know, is very interesting. You, know, you feel like you're getting pushed around. I've had gusts hit the car, and it's like, whoa, this car is being blown aside. This is what he's talking about. The whole idea of being pushed. And so he says it, it's there. He says it hurls him out of his place. It pushes him. And it says, for God shall cast upon him and not spare. He would fain flee out of his hand. He says, God will cast this wind upon him and not spare him. Again, he's talking about the wicked. He says, the wicked will suffer. The wicked will suffer storms, will have hardships, will have these problems, and God will not spare the wicked. And it was said, he would fain or quickly flee out of his hands. The wicked would want to flee from God quickly and yet you cannot flee from God and this is what he's saying I am going to patiently and look to God and see what it is that God's doing he goes I don't understand any of this but I know that my Redeemer lives I know that my God is is going to bring me before him even if he slays me here in this world I will stand before God he said in the past because he understands the resurrection of the body and the standing before God in the end days. And he says, I don't care. I am going to hold my integrity. I'm pure before God. And I'm going to stand before him. And he's going to bring me into his hand. And the wicked man, he says, of the wicked man, men shall clap their hands at him and shall hiss him out of his place. And this is raise their hands up against him. They will look at him. They will be despised. And this idea of hissing is to to kind of whistle, to, to point out. He goes, the wicked will be pointed out. And in many places, these friends are saying, Job, this is exactly what we're doing. We're clapping our hands at you, and we're, whist we're hissing at you. You're, we know you're evil. We don't know what it is you've done, but we know you're evil because of all these bad things that are happening to you. So these guys are really looking at this saying, Job, you're making our case. You're making our case that you must be evil because of all of this stuff that is happening to you is bad and therefore you must be bad they do not understand what it is and again we have the advantage we had the first chapters in the book that tells us that the only reason all of this happened is because God said did you consider Job and and the four friends and Job and none of, and his wife none of them know what happened in those first in those first chapters that God said Satan did you think about Job go get him. You, you can go get him you can go test him. You can go try him. You can go see if he's going to curse me as you said that he would. And Job is not understanding this. The friends don't understand it. This is just the attack on the prosperity gospel. Job has lost all of his property, all of his family, all of the blessings that he felt he got because God, and from his perspective, owed him for his obedience. And God's saying, nothing is owed. Your blessings are because I choose to bless you. And this is something we need to always remember, that the blessings we have from God are because God chooses to bless us, not because we deserve blessings. 
Because if we get what we deserve, we die. And we go to hell. But God's blessings are because he chooses to bless. He chooses to give. And if he chooses to give the, the unrighteous some, some gifts, then that's what it is. The rain falls on the just and on the unjust. The crops grow for the just and the unjust. And this is something that is very hard for us to understand, why somebody very wicked can look like they're getting blessed. And I say look like because oftentimes if you get to know them, you'll find out that they're really not feeling comfortable. They don't feel good. They may even feel guilty. They feel like they're going to lose everything at any time because they've stolen it or taken it. They, it isn't always what we think we see because they may not be happy. They've got the mansion on the hilltop and all kinds of cars and servants and money in the bank. And then they're looking all over the place for the police because they're so afraid that they're going to be in trouble. You know, we don't know. They, you know, we know that the wealthy, the, the stars, the politicians, they get all these benefits and then they start wondering, does anybody like me for me or do they just like me because of my money and my power and my authority? And they always get a loss and they're not happy with everything that we look at and say, man, I'd be so happy if I had that. And the answer is no, we probably wouldn't be. If we're not happy with God, we won't, with nothing, we would not be happy with everything without God. And we need to know that we, whatever we have with God is what we're blessed with. Job understood this. He understood that he was happy with lots of stuff with God. And he's generally, over most of it, happy without, other than the fact that he is bemoaning the loss of his health. That one is a hard one for him, the loss of his health. He was willing to accept all the other things fairly easily and said, I can deal with it. Sykes Paul, I've learned to be content with much and, and with little. Why? Because they were content with God. And we need to learn just to be content with God and to seek Him for all that we have. Lord, we ask you to bless this evening. Help us to learn to be content. Help us to learn to follow you and to just be loving and kind to others. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listening, friends, where will you be when you die? We ask this question of a lot of people oftentimes, and the biggest answer we'll get is, I hope I will be in heaven. If hope is your answer, you don't know God, and this is a problem. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of the sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If you do not know for sure that you're going to go into heaven, please, today, make your decision to follow him. It is simply just ask him, Lord, I am a sinner. Please come into my life and save me and make him your Lord. If you've said that prayer, let us know so that we can send you a new believers packet. You can contact us at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or even pastor at chloridebaptistchurch.com. Or you can just send us a regular letter at Chloride Baptist Church, P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona, 86431. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day.